few minutes. It was over. All of a sudden, I had no husband to tend to. My two children were often visiting their dad, and many of the family responsibilities that for years had defined my life were nearly non-existent. I was far more fortunate than many divorced women with young children. I was not financially abandoned and forced into survival mode. Quite the opposite. My ex-husband adored our children. He couldn't get enough of them or do enough to make our lives easier. So when the kids came home to me, they were fed, often newly clothed, and happily exhausted. I had less laundry, cooking, shopping, and homework assistance to worry about than when we were together as a family. I lived like a divorced princess. But deep inside I was not well. The ease of my life did nothing to lessen the immeasurable sadness of the divorce. My heart was broken and I was lonely. Fewer neighborhood kids visited our new tiny house, and no couples invited me to join their outings. After a few bad experiences, I chose not to date. So I lived a quiet and simple life, shared with several faithful friends, my Bible, and my new best companion, TV Guide. With no pressing roles to fulfill, I felt enormously dispirited and useless. Everything I had crowded into my life to bring it some semblance of meaning had been yanked away or grown stagnant. My casual friends noticed that I seemed lost, but those who knew me best realized that I was crashing into hopelessness. The pain of that transition and my lack of purpose was made worse by the fact that for five years I had begged God to give me a Joan of Arc-type cause or a unique purpose to champion, but he had not seen fit to do so. I felt confused. At times I wondered if the only logical life purpose I had left was shopping for new clothes, because my weight spiraled downward as my depression deepened. It has been more than a decade and a half since those difficult days, and God has given me more meaning in life than I ever could have imagined. In the midst of that purposeless desert, I began an intense spiritual journey through which God slowly revealed to me His multifaceted reasons for my existence. Today, my service as a licensed minister at Saddleback Church and as a certified Christian life plan facilitator allow me the privilege of walking alongside other women who are crying out for purpose in their lives. Through my own faltering steps, and my interaction with thousands of other women, I have come to realize that countless good Christian women barely function because they feel alone, disillusioned, or trapped by vague dissatisfaction. They feel they have no critically important reason to exist, and they are guilt-ridden about their dark secret of borderline despair. The fact is, most women have felt this void at one time or another, even if just mildly. At some transition point in life, they have experienced a let-down feeling. This unexplainable melancholy may manifest itself in many ways, from the baby blues to midlife crisis. It may be prompted by a job loss, a home relocation, or divorce. It may also occur after reaching a cherished goal, such as completing a race, building a house, graduating from school, planning a wedding, or retiring from a career. If you find yourself in this perplexing place, you may feel bored and confused. Perhaps you hunger for something challenging to which to give your life. Perhaps you began adulthood with great ideas of how you were going to make a difference in the world, but now find yourself struggling to make sense of feelings of emptiness, frustration, or futility. 
Perhaps you can't turn off the unsettling questions that scream out in the silence of your nights. Dear God, where do I fit? How can I make a difference? Where is the place you have for me? Does anyone really need me? Does my existence even matter in this world? Why do I feel like such a failure as a Christian? Why don't I enjoy my church ministry, my family responsibilities, or my job anymore? Why do I feel so unsatisfied? Why am I not happy? How did I pile up so many regrets? Is this really all there is to life? Is this what God wants my life to look like? When did my dreams and passions get relegated to a back burner? If I heard God's call, would I have the time or emotional strength to pursue it? If you find yourself facing questions like these and long for something better, be assured that there is hope. God will reveal your purpose and your heart will sing over what He has in store for you. He wants you to be able to say, I'm in my element. I'm in sync. This is what life is supposed to be about. I was born for this. What a blast! Or the clincher in the case of a career, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Let me share a little bit more of how I began my search for meaning in life. During those terrible days of feeling utterly purposeless, my lifelong friend Beth and I talked about our similar frustrations. Beth had recently turned the big five-zero and was an empty nester. She described herself as a worn-out married woman who was lost in a marsh of mediocrity, sinking in the quicksand of the quitter years. I felt more on edge, as if I was waiting for someone or something important who was never going to show up. Everyone handles this type of psychological and spiritual angst differently, depending on how mild or intense its manifestation. I was desperate. I didn't know how to ask for directions for my trek through the uncharted waters of purposelessness. I only knew that I was in bad mental and spiritual shape. I needed something, anything, anything to do to get unstuck. I knew I needed to take a bold step, any bold step, and see what awaited me. I never expected my journey to begin as it did. My mom gave me a video of the life of Mother Teresa. I watched it a half a dozen times, crying each time as it touched me to the depth of my soul. On the video, Mother Teresa said that if God was calling me to serve Him in a specific way, I would know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. She then extended an invitation to come to Calcutta. I took her seriously and wrote a brief letter to the missionaries of charity in India, asking for permission to visit. I knew those angels of mercy obediently answered God's call on their lives by ministering to the poorest of the poor in one of the most chaotic environments in the world. I figured that by working alongside women who were so in tune with God, I would find their secret to heeding His voice. Surely, hearing their fascinating stories about how He had worked faithfully in their lives would help me gain insight about His plan for my own life. They agreed that I could visit, and I began planning my trip to Calcutta. One decision involved my 67-year-old mom, who insisted on going with me. I had no idea how I could protect her from malaria, from muggers and mayhem, but she would not be dissuaded. So my ex-husband whisked our children off on a much-anticipated vacation, and my mom and I donned backpacks and headed out on our ten-day trip that would have ripple effects through our lives. I boarded the plane with a mingled sense of 
apprehension, and excitement. I wondered whether or not I would like the answers I found across the ocean. In any case, I was thankful to have a faithful and easygoing traveling companion like my mom. In a way, she was my personal angel of mercy, a true treasure from God, who supported me in my efforts to understand my new life. Emerging from the airport after a fatiguing series of flights, I hailed an airport taxi. My heart pounded as our driver dodged rickshaws, trolleys, buses, taxicabs, cows, and pedestrians. I knew that Calcutta had a population of 11 million, including more than 60,000 homeless people. But that knowledge did not prepare me for the squalor of the streets. I saw dilapidated shacks made of bamboo, paper, plastic, mud, cardboard, and tires. I scanned the faces of women making cow dung patties to use as cooking fuel. I saw children relieving themselves in the gutters and recoiled at the sight of others using the same gutter water for bathing. My mom and I could only stare at each other in shock when we were dropped off in an alleyway near the Missionaries of Charity Mother House. As the convent door opened, we were dumbstruck by an entirely different sight. A dozen noisy novices, dressed in blue and white saris, greeted us and cheerfully ushered us inside. Even as we were still sorting out our emotions, one of the sisters nonchalantly asked us, Would you like to meet Mother? We were speechless, and the sister escorted us upstairs. The experience was beyond surreal. Barefoot Mother Teresa bowed as we approached. She was small in stature, and her shoulders were hunched over, yet she